You are listening to Sky Women, episode 41, OB-GYN and OMM. In this episode, I chat with Dr. Megan Nelson, who is also an OB-GYN who practices neuromusculoskeletal medicine. This is a fun conversation. We discuss how osteopathy can impact women's health, whether it's during pregnancy, postpartum, pelvic pain, um, even neonates and newborns. There is so much good information in this, as well as personal stories of our experiences in motherhood and how osteopathy has impacted us. And this could not be released on a more perfect day because today is the one year anniversary of Sky Women's Health. And we are having an open house and patient appreciation this evening from 5 to 7 p.m., a come and go, a little wine and mocktails. Come and join us if you're in the area and you're curious about osteopathy or you're a patient or you're a colleague who refers patients. Come by, see the facilities, um, and just celebrate with us. We can't wait to see you. On with the episode. Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Hi, welcome to Sky Women. I am so excited that you decided to join us today. We have a special guest with us, Dr. Megan Nelson. She is, get this friends, Dr. Nelson is originally from New York. She graduated from the New York College of Osteopathic Medicine with a master's degree in neuromusculoskeletal medicine, as well as a doctorate of osteopathic medicine in 2009. She completed her residency training in obstetrics and gynecology in New Jersey and went on to practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. After three years in practice, she went on to complete a second residency in neuromusculoskeletal medicine at Southampton Hospital in New York. She is now the only physician in the country maintaining dual board certification in OB-GYN and neuromusculoskeletal medicine. Dr. Nelson is dedicated to training the next generation of osteopathic physicians at UNTHSC TCOM, where she is an assistant professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Osteopathic Manipulative Medicine, serving as the course director for year two, as well as reproductive endocrinology. Dr. Nelson specializes in providing osteopathic manipulation for women, infants, and children. Welcome, Dr. Nelson. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. Well, this is absolutely a delight because I thought I was a unicorn, and it turns out there are two of us. <laughs> there are two. A perfect <laughs> pair of purple unicorns. That's right. Or the purple cow. Have you read that book? No. Okay. I'll have to add it to my children's library. <laughs> well, it's actually a book about, about business and about how you find that unique thing, like you know, maybe it's Starbucks and their hospitality and their lattes, right? I mean, I'm not sure I want to be compared to a cow, so I'll <laughs> stick with unicorn for now, but I agree with the purple part for sure. Okay, okay so we're purple unicorns. So we are both OBGYNs and we mm -hmm. are both neuromusculoskeletal medicine physicians. That's right. And it's really exciting because we are bringing this skill set to women and infants. So tell me, first of all, one, this is totally fascinating. So I, we met because a medical student yeah. rotating at Baylor said, you know, Dr. Moyers, you need to talk to Dr. Nelson because she does this thing. And I'm like, 
hey, I do that too. Like, this is so amazing. So I think we kind of formed an instant friendship. Oh, absolutely. Like long lost soul sister. I never knew I had. Yeah, exactly. So talk to me about your journey in medicine and in motherhood, because I think that that kind of changes and evolves all of us, right? Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about how we kind of got to the point of, I'm going to go do a second residency and I have a baby. (laughs) So much like you uh, went to an osteopathic medical school. I went to NICOM, whereas you were here in Texas. I am a New Yorker. And just like you did the undergraduate fellowship, it was slightly different at my medical school where we actually ended up with a master's degree. They were priming you for a career in academic medicine, doing this osteopathic manipulation. But despite the encouragement from my professors, I said, oh, no, no, I'm going to deliver babies. I'm going to be an OBGYN and graduated and went and did that residency and was in practice for three years with a wonderful group of amazing physicians but something was still missing. And that was starting to nag at me, nag at me. And then I was pregnant with my first child, delivered her and was set to go back to work and couldn't. Some Too much was missing at that point. I wasn't loving enough what I was doing or didn't feel good enough about what I was doing for 24 hours, 30 hours for these shifts where I was going to leave my new baby at home. Mm. And so she helped me make a decision that was already kind of brewing in the back of my mind, thinking that, I know I can help my patients more, but my current practice model working for the hospital, my practice wasn't designed to support the skills that I knew I had. And so after some conversations with my preceptors and uh, my professors who had always been mentors back in medical school, I said, I'm kind of thinking about doing this thing. And they said, absolutely do it. Go do the second residency in neuromuscular medicine, reinforce your skills, reinforce your confidence and be this purple unicorn. So it was really quite a homecoming going back to a New York institution, part of uh, the NICOM system. And I did one year and it was amazing. And I haven't looked back since. That is really cool. So I want to describe to everybody because most who are listening are not physicians and may not understand exactly what we're talking about. Sure. So as an, everybody knows what an OB guy is, right? So right. in OB-GYN world, we're delivering babies, we're doing pap smears, we're doing all the things related to women's health. The difference is that when we're delivering babies, babies come at all hours. It's Correct. very demanding. You're doing 24, 48, sometimes 72 hour shifts if you're covering the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. It is intense. The daily grind of practice can be very busy. You can be seeing anywhere from 25 to 40 patients a day. For sure. Running between deliveries or surgery, you're always running behind. And there is no room for the complaints of pregnancy that are so common. I always say that discomforts of pregnancy or pain in pregnancy is common, but that doesn't mean it's normal. Correct. It absolutely is not normal. And we don't have great solutions or we're referring patients to 15 different locations precisely right to get their services. Mm -hmm. And in neuromusculoskeletal medicine or osteopathic medicine, osteopathic manipulative treatment, when you hear it called so many different, right. By so many different phrases, but essentially we're realigning the spines and hips strengthening and lengthening the muscles. Correct. Helping women to thrive and enjoy their pregnancy because women deserve a joyful pregnancy. Oh, absolutely. A joyful pregnancy, a relatively pain-free pregnancy. I think the most common misunderstanding is just what you said, that pregnancy is a, a time of discomfort. 
And so many of our patients who are non-medical, right, civilians, think if I feel pain, I better stop. I better stop moving. I better sit down. Well, no one wants to spend this pregnancy seated. They want to chase their other children. They want to be active. They want to be swimming. Right. They want to take maternity photos. They want to feel like themselves or right. their, most, their most powerful selves. I loved being pregnant despite puking for 41 weeks. I have never felt more mighty, more powerful. You catch me in those first 24 hours after <laughs> I pushed out a giant baby. I'm like, I am woman, hear me roar. And so for <laughs> pregnant patients, I love the evaluation where I can tell them and show them this is normal and this is why it's happening and this is when it's going to go away. You know, talking about the different milestones, what's changing at what week of pregnancy, but you can't just write off a patient's complaints without an evaluation before you say that is a normal part of pregnancy. Here are some ways to fix it, whether it's with me, with a different type of physician, a belly band for support, a different way of sitting at your desk, for example, or body pillows to comfort you during sleep. But to just write everybody off or say, go get a prescription for physical therapy, but maybe you're seeing an athletic physical therapist who's used to pitchers and catchers and those types of injuries, and they don't know what to do with a pregnant female. I think what we do is really support the ever evolving changes and what changes and what's growing and what's stretching, what's pulling is a very dynamic process across the 40 weeks of pregnancy. Pregnancy is actually 10 months, not nine. Right. And so, right, I'm sorry. Plus the fourth trimester. I mean, mean, it's not as bad as an elephant gestation. That's a full two years, but we come in just under that. Your needs, your, your wants, your wishes, and the demands on your body are changing throughout that time. And so to just give a one size fits all prescription of good luck, take some time at all. Don't even get me started on the the, sa- yes. the safety of Tylenol. That's a whole other podcast. But I think that's doing women a disservice. And I knew it. It just needed enough time to kind of creep up in my brain where I suddenly, I wasn't okay with it anymore. Once I was a pregnant woman suffering, it was not okay because I needed one of us right. to help me when I was pregnant and none of us existed. There were no unicorns. Right. And so I suffered. Right. Knowing that I shouldn't have been, I just didn't have a trusted osteopathic physician nearby where I was practicing. And I decided enough was enough and put my foot down and became a unicorn. I love it. So this is really interesting because I always say I was pregnant with my first child when I did the neuromusculoskeletal medicine fellowship and I didn't have anybody to treat me. I was miserable, you know, as somebody else was buckling my shoes. I was unsnapping my bra on the right home right. because my cage had expanded. Yeah, I was so incredibly uncomfortable and couldn't breathe. And I didn't have anybody to treat me. And that's just a disservice, right? Absolutely. So having somebody who understands both sides of the arm, we know everything that you've gone through in your pregnancy and postpartum and nursing right. period, right? As moms and as OBGYNs, right? We've done the surgeries, we've done the deliveries, we know the trauma that can happen to your body. Exactly. And we're here to support you with this extra skill set. You know, and the feedback I've gotten from my patients has been really great because I don't turn off the OB side of my brain when I turn on the OMM side. So I'm still collecting their obstetrical history, following their progress, looking at their blood pressure. And many patients have said that I took the time to explain to them things that they didn't initially hear in their OB OB visit. They were panicked. Oh my goodness, I have gestational hypertension. That means blah, 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 blah. And you you just suddenly hear ringing in your ears and you're panicked. Once they see me a few days later, they've had time to process. I stopped them from Googling. Right. 
and then explain it yes. from the OB side. And again, give a call to their doctor and say, hey, listen, I saw Sally. Just wanted to let you know I reassured her. Thanks so much. We're on the same page. We're telling her the same information. But it's just another time to hear that same counseling. So you're not wondering and worrying for three weeks until you see your OB again. Yeah. They really are getting supervision more frequently, kind of a 360 degree view. Yeah. It's not just, I popped in for a two minute belly yes. check because yes. I know that OB, how fast they have to run. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. have a 30 minute visit. So right. I have the time to talk to them while I'm working. Right. I love that. And I agree. I've seen the same thing where patients come in for their appointment and it really is almost a consultation visit as I'm doing their adjustment, <laughs> you know, well, my OB said this this week and I just really don't like her so much. And I'm like, what did she say? Mm -hmm. And I get the <laughs> whole story and I'm like, what she meant was, you know, and we just go through all of it and walk through all of the things yes. that they're expecting or anticipating or worried about. I do feel like it is a very collaborative effort. And, you know, I've had patients who have had to send to the OB emergency department because of blood pressure issues. Correct. And the nice thing is that we know that system. So I'm calling Baylor emergency department where she's going to arrive and Triage say, this patient is coming, talking to the doctor, talking to her OB. Okay. She's not on call, talking to the on-call doctor so that everybody is on the same page. Correct. And I think that that's something really unique that you don't get when you go to the chiropractor. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Absolutely. You not. know, like, so it's something that is really, really unique for, uh, we should have uh, gotten a little unicorn hat. I feel like we should be wearing unicorn hats today. <laughs> I'm going to start shopping for some sort of sparkle headband. You know, what? I'll go in my six-year-old's collection. She might very well have something. <laughs> she might loan them to us. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're on good behavior. I love it. Okay, so it was a very natural progression for you to go down this road. Like three years in, you're like, I'm tired, something's missing, I'm home with my baby, I think I'm just going to go for it. It just made sense to you. Today, now, yes. Then no, you then, felt a hot mess like the rest of us. <laughs> oh, so full disclosure, I don't have a poker face. I'm very much what you see is what you get. And I'm proud of my story if it helps someone else. I trained my entire life to be a surgeon. I trained my entire life to be a physician. I am the token, you know, young lady who at age five, when I realized I didn't have the body type to be a ballerina, I very quickly pivoted and sought medicine. And then decided very early it was going to be OBGYN and trained for that my entire life. And then motherhood came and I was completely unprepared for what it did to me physically, mentally, emotionally. And most of us physicians are pretty goal-oriented type A, especially those of us who go into surgery. We like order. We like to know what's expected. We prepare for all these disasters and have all of our disaster plans in place. And God just laughs at you when you have children because all the preparation in the world cannot prepare you. Yeah, so I was humbling thing in life. Correct. <laughs> correct. I was very good at being an OBGYN and I did not know how to be a mother. I didn't feel good that I was good at it, whether or not, what is the metric for right. motherhood? And I struggled with breastfeeding and I struggled with postpartum depression and those two go hand in hand. So chicken and egg phenomenon, I'm not sure which one came first, but then also I felt like a fraud as an OBGYN, as a female physician who counseled patients on breastfeeding for a million years, and then I couldn't do it. So now, you know, almost uh, an imposter syndrome came after the fact of, was I a good OBGYN? So all of this was, was swirling around. 
at a time when actually my father would get a terminal diagnosis mm-hmm. of pancreatic cancer. So I ended up staying home with my young baby and figuring out how to mother, healing myself while, you know, allowing my father to have a dignified death. And so all of these massive life changes happened in six months. Wow. It was the best case for a very bad scenario, but it made me a completely, I think I was an okay human before. Right. I'm a completely different human and so much better for it. Motherhood came to me to shape me, to make me the person I am. (laughs) Again, I think I was a fine physician before, but I now aim for exceptional. And I had to go through struggles. I had to endure personal and professional pain to create more patience, sensitivity, grace for myself, yes. but also so I could teach my patients to give themselves grace, to, yeah. to see all of the amazing things that they're doing. Oh, but that baby got four ounces of formula, but they got 26 ounces of your breast milk, right? And you grew them and yeah. they're so wonderful and there's nothing yeah. wrong. They have 10 fingers, 10 toes. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting scary-eyed um, over here because it's also true. <laughs> so I, I, I share the story because it wasn't a moment of bravery. It, it wasn't. It was a lot of struggles that ultimately, I, t- I mean, I tell the six-year-old that she's the one who saved me. When my father was dying, I had to get up to take care of her. And so I, I tell her she's my angel. I hope that doesn't create a problem with baby number two because she's also my angel. I have a pair of them. But so it is a natural fit now. Like this is what I was put on earth to do. I just didn't know it, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when I was training that this is where I would be already. But now it makes perfect sense. I love what I do all day. You know, it's so funny because when we first met and I started listening to the podcast and you said, it's like two girlfriends talking, put on your stretchy pants. And I... I said to the headphones, it's like, she knows me. (laughs) You know, if I'm not in scrubs, I'm in stretchy pants. I love them, whether I'm doing something athletic or not. And that's actually the feedback that I get from my patients is that I self-proclaim, I have no filter. So I'm going to tell you, yeah, listen, we used to lie. We used to tell you, you're going to feel pressure. No, this is going to hurt like a mother. Okay. We're going to breathe through it. We're going to get through it. It's going to last 10 seconds. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. So I'm very frank with my patients and I will tell them, I don't know if I don't know the answer to something, if I don't know what something feels like, because I haven't had it done to myself yet. Right. I don't know, but my patients have said X, Y, Z. So there is that girlfriend or sisterhood. Yes. It takes a village. I am very direct. I am very real with patients. Yes. at a time when we need it most, because motherhood is so alienating. So much. So. There's so much pressure in society. I don't think America does right by the, our mothers. We don't have a village. We don't all come together. It's go hide in your house until you quote snap back like a Kardashian and then emerge. <laughs> right, emerge, emerge from your cocoon, looking better than you did before. You know this. When is my body going to go back? Where did it go? Right. You you grew a human. It didn't go anywhere. It just progressed, right? Right. So now it's a perfectly natural fit. And I feel like I'm trying to basically do my penance. I'm trying to give back to all the mothers what I felt like I didn't have the first time I had a baby. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a beautiful story. My sad story is over. No, I I almost cried. I mean, I just, I love it all. I love it all. You know, my journey in motherhood, I had very easy pregnancies. I mean, the nausea and the discomforts, right? No problem. But, you know, like I didn't have any medical problems. And then nursing was super easy for me. I could have nursed a couple of kids. Oh, not the same. Um, (laughs) You know, but, but even so, like, I just think that I followed this 
this inner voice, this yes. desire just for something different and more, not that, not that what everybody else is doing is not fine. Right. But it does take an amount of courage to step out from doing the traditional academic role or the traditional private practice role that you see. Yes. Because everybody, I mean, I've had colleagues who be like, okay, so what are they going to pay you for? Like, <laughs> Yeah. what are you doing exactly or witchcraft you know like not, not really yeah. understanding what it is that we do and that we're offering to women and I I just think that it's really fun to see how well this skill set really marries in and collaborates with so many of the specialties not all only our OBGYN colleagues right and our midwives and our doulas, but the lactation consultant oh, and the sure. pelvic floor physical therapist. Yeah. And who am I leaving out? Pediatricians. Work very closely sure, with them. Yeah. Sure. So let's talk about that. The role with for osteopathic medicine in babies. So originally when I started kind of carving my path, I thought I'll take care of pregnant women. And then it kind of expanded to any reproductive age female. So I work with patients who are struggling with infertility or no fertile fertility concerns, but instead chronic pelvic pain, variety right. of etiologies. Even I have a couple elderly patients with pelvic organ prolapse, things like that. Mm-hmm. But my practice grew itself just by word of mouth, taking care of mothers and these trusted referral, trusted referral base of lactation consultants and pediatricians my practice now is very largely, I mean, yesterday in clinic, it was basically baby day. I had one pregnant wow. female and everyone else was a baby. Now I may have taken care of that mom, or this might've been a new baby sent to me by either the pediatrician or the lactation consultant. And so breastfeeding, I think because of my struggles, I now work so hard to help anyone else who is struggling, who yeah. is not a gifted dairy cow. I wish <laughs> I wish I could have been. Now that cow, I would be compared to. <laughs> I would be okay. Um, I did better my second time around. So mm-hmm. I have two different experiences to share with patients, but when they are defeated and cracked and bleeding and sore and you know, feel like formula is the F word and it makes them a failure, like all of that, I am there to trash those notions and build these moms back up. But also breastfeeding is, um, is a, a two-person activity. It is not just on mom, right? It is mom and baby learning each other. Right. And talk about, I mean, we became fast friends, but these babies and moms have just met. And then we say, okay, coordinate yourselves, get together and breastfeed. <laughs> right. Right. So the pressure we put on the baby, they have to coordinate, suck, swallow, and breathe. So that's basically us learning how to hold our breath and swim underwater. They need to learn that in the first hour after the delivery, right? Crawl up with your blind little baby eyes, find your mommy's breast and figure out how to, you know, not, not suffocate and extract milk. Ready, go. And mom, you're never, never used your, your nipples like that before, but get ready. Hold on tight. Be okay with the pain. Right. It'll get better. Right. That's what we say. And so I really work to help support mom and there are some osteopathic structural concerns that contribute to lactational issues, right? So clogged ducts, the drainage or the sewer system of a mom's chest, head and neck can contribute to clogged ducts, milk blebs, mastitis, issues with milk supply. And then also there are issues with postpartum depression that impact breastfeeding and breastfeeding that impacts postpartum depression. So I work kind of that vicious circle on the maternal side of things, but then on the baby side, which is often the more problematic one, mom thinks it's her, but it's often more times baby. If you think about it, we get a watermelon and force it through a lemon, 
right? <laughs> if we have a vaginal delivery, if we have a C-section, it's, you know, a grapefruit size incision we make, but we're still pulling a watermelon out of right, there. Right. And little babies are giant water balloons. They're not bone yet. They're cartilage. And so they're made to squish, right. to squish like a little jello jiggler through that route <laughs> of delivery. Right. But then how does that jello jiggler get put back where they're supposed to be? So my job is to actually feel that baby, find the strain patterns, find where the twists are, find where the kinks in the chain, where things are too close together, things are too far apart. And we restore their normal anatomy with fingertips worth of pressure. This is not wagging and cracking at this point. I'm not twisting or wringing out your baby. It is actually like, it looks like I'm just squeezing their cheeks, but I'm working on their cheekbones. I'm working on their cheek muscles. And we do latching in my office following OMT. So work on the baby, hear mom's concerns, and I can always put the pieces of the puzzle together. This is why the baby does that weird thing on your right breast only. And then they guess the air and then they get the colic and then they get the reflux and then they're uncomfortable because they've thrown up and now they're hungry and the whole circle starts again. Right. So we work on unwinding that baby, correcting their anatomy. And then the proof is in the pudding in that we latch. We latch post-MT to get post-OMT together. And the moms are like, never been like this before. And that, that is like my moment of vindication. If I didn't think that what I was doing worked, I have that moment. And it also is really wonderful for my medical students because it's direct feedback. It's instant gratification for everyone in the room. And then the mom gets that confidence boost of it's not me. It is us. We're still learning, but also that this is something we can do. Right. Right. So how soon do moms make it to your office? So if I had privileges, not every labor and delivery unit has osteopathic physicians. Where I trained, we saw moms and babies immediately postpartum. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I love seeing the oh, little babies in the nursery. Yeah. yeah. So you go see all in the newborn baby nursery, right? Same with peds is traveling and doing their morning rounds. The babies are in their little buckets, their little Tupperwares. We would stop by and check babies and then go and see all moms postpartum and see everybody before discharge. And some people, that's all they need. Others will follow up. Here, my practice is all outpatient. So if I've been seeing mom during pregnancy, she will make appointments knowing I might go into labor anytime now. We just call, we convert it to a postpartum visit, no problem. And I say, whenever you're ready to leave the house. Right. So I know in the first, you know, days, two weeks of life, especially if baby is breastfeeding and you're going to the pediatrician for a lot of weight checks, I say, if that's overwhelming, I never want coming to see me to be a point of stress. Right. But I've had moms come in seven days, 10 days, whenever they feel ready, if I'm convenient to them, but I have other moms who are driving 40, 50 minutes to come in. So the sooner, the better. We can do the most work in the first six weeks postpartum for mom before those pregnancy hormones that make you all stretchy and bendy are gone. We really do have a full 12 weeks, but we get more bang for your buck in the first six weeks. So I don't want to say put you back together because you're not Humpty Dumpty and you didn't fall off a wall. No, but we can realign, correct, restore your anatomy and promote an amazing postpartum experience because- you're doing a lot physically, yes. mentally, emotionally at that point. Your body needs to be optimized for that. Absolutely. And then we start with baby's visits. And a lot of times it's a one or two week follow-up. I follow my babies closely because breastfeeding is a scary time. I know that 
I felt like, oh, we got a great latch for the lactation consultant. And she yeah. said, okay, bye, see you in a month. <gasps> how am I gonna how am I gonna do this again at home? Right, right. It's like when the hairdresser fixes your hair and you're like, will I ever be able to recreate it's this? Exactly. <laughs> I followed all the steps she did, and yet I looked like cousin it. Like, where did it go wrong? I did the products out of order. I'll just put it in a ponytail. <laughs> That's precisely right. So I never want the moms to feel like they're riding off into the sunset yeah. alone. So we arrange close follow-up of one or two weeks. Now I always tell them, if everything is perfect, you call and say, I'll see you in a month. Or I don't need you anymore. We had a wait check and it was yeah. great. But I also like patients to know that they are not alone in this. They are not, if there are concerns, there are worries, something changes acutely. I always say, call me, we'll sneak in over lunchtime, whatever. Close follow-up for the babes. But most of my breastfeeding babies have what I called graduated. Oh, but, yeah. By three or four months, they don't need me anymore. Perfect. Huh. Perfect. Okay. I love that. I had a lot of ideas come to mind. One, I have a perfect example for us. Shout out to my patient who was just in before we're recording, but she's three weeks postpartum and she had severe preeclampsia, the whole magnesium recovery after pushing for four hours. Oh an attempt at four steps delivery oh to get God baby God. out and then going for a C-section. So we're three weeks out and her and baby, she was so brilliantly scheduled an appointment to see me. <laughs> Breastfeeding is going well, but she's wow. like, I think baby's neck kind of, she baby turns to the left more, you know? Absolutely. Um, and of course she has, got a lot of tension in her upper back and in her pelvis, right? And so there's just a lot that we need to help realign to help her feel more empowered in her body. Exactly. And also, God bless. I mean, that poor baby's head. <laughs> they, they both have, I mean, that is an exceptional case. You do not right. have to have all of those diagnoses on your chart to qualify to see us. True, but true. what we take care of during pregnancy really shifts immediately postpartum if we take care of your pelvis and diaphragm, we then will suddenly shift our focus to basically belly button and above right. because where you suffered with all of this low back, hip, pelvic complaints during pregnancy, then you start the newborn life, right? Whether yes. you're breastfeeding or not. Where you're, you're leaning into correct, baby. Correct. You have these elbows up at the side, like these bat <laughs> wings, right? So you yeah. basically start wearing your shoulders as earrings and you're yeah. holding that newborn baby for 24 hours a day, bouncing, yeah. rocking, securing a latch. So then you're right. in this position and you're tense because you're so afraid if you move, the baby's right. going to fall so off. neck and shoulders. I mean, exactly. And then yeah. you bend over to change 12 diapers a day. Yes. When they inevitably <laughs> blow out. And, oh, then and you, lifting the car seat. Look, her, we didn't go to car seat. The car seat, <laughs> throwing the stroller. In, and I don't, I don't know who designed all of this to happen after we've lost our core muscles. Right. Right. Our core muscles are right. not in the building because we just had this giant baby. Right. And you're not using your body properly. And then imagine doing it with your body out of the mind. Yeah. It's just, it's so rough. And then for the little babes, even without this traumatic of a delivery, but exactly. Some of us are born with little kinks in our neck. There's only exactly. so much room there. And if that kink stays, that's where we start getting the flattening of the head, what right. we call plagiocephaly or brachycephaly. And I've made it part of my life's work not to have the babies have to wear those helmets. Yes. They've made them so cute. Bless, they have. Yeah. However, it is time consuming. It is very stressful and anxiety provoking for the parents. You feel like something's wrong with your child. Right. Other people, families stare, they don't understand. But it's also really expensive. Right. A lot of babies require two or three helmets over six to nine months as they're growing. And wow. each helmet might be up to eight or nine hundred dollars. That's not even, you know, the painted cute ones, wow. just for the ugly white one. And 
all that does is swish your head back. It's like braces. It'll give you a pretty smile, but it doesn't <laughs> fix whatever caused your teeth to be crooked in the first place. Right, right. Right. So it smushes the head from vanity's perspective and gives you a pretty head in case you're going to go bald or have a career as a model. <laughs> but my my role is to correct the underlying strains in your right. body, those pushes, those pulls, those areas of tension that have caused the baby to turn the one way and of course have that flattened head. Right. Yeah. So those are the babies who I might see up to six, sometimes nine months of life, depending on when they start with right. me. But a lot of times breastfeeding issues, tightness in the neck, what we call torticollis and, or the flattening of the head, the plagiocephaly, that's kind of a trifecta that travels together. So if you start to scroll through the daily photos on your iPhone and you notice that baby's always looking one way, uh, call us. Yes. see one of us immediately. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay, friend, this is such a fun conversation because, well, I mean, we're just geeking out over men <laughs> and pregnancy, <laughs> postpartum and newborns. Like, it's just a lot of fun. I love what we are providing to the Dallas Fort Worth area. Absolutely. It's amazing. So, come see us. <laughs> so, I know that you are not big on social media as of yet. I'm going to bring you to the dark side. That's right. She is. But I'm slowly sipping on the Kool Aid, the social media Kool Aid. <laughs> But where can our guests find you? So clinically, I am available at the Health Pavilion, which is on the UNT HSCTCOMS campus, where I'm also a professor. So if I'm not in clinic seeing moms and babies and precepting medical students, then I am teaching them in an academic center. Awesome. Awesome. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, Sky community, thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.